uh, five years every week. And believe me, even spending uh, f five years on it, and when I say five years, of course, that's one time a week. There's so much that you have to leave out that you feel like you need to go back and go through it again. And every time you go through it, you, you learn something new. But not only that, uh, there, there's the inspiration, you know, not just the instruction that we gain from it, but the inspiration that we receive. And we all need that. So it's not just about learning. It's about allowing the Word of God to lift you up and to meet your needs where you are. But in going through the Psalms, it's only natural that, uh, that some of the Psalms can kind of become your favorite, uh, you know. And, and, and that's the way it's been with me in Psalm 73. I, I, I could, believe me, I, I, could, I could spend the next 10 weeks just in this one, one Psalm. It's so wonderful, so much here. Uh, but tonight I, I want to just focus on one verse and that is the very last verse of the psalm. The psalmist says, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Amen. I can remember on numerous occasions as a boy, my mother saying to me, if you know what's good for you, you'll at the blank there because it could be related to, to, to a number of different things. If you know what's good for you, you'll, well, unfortunately, I didn't always know what was good for me. You know, I, I just proceeded from one dumb decision to another, and all I wanted to do was what I wanted to do. I think, you know, most kids are that way, I think. Uh, and, and at least that's the way I was. I, you know, you, didn't want to go to school. I was so amazed the other day at our graduates and the plans that, that they have. That, that really amazed me because all I could think about was, man, getting out of there as quick as I could and getting on with baseball pool halls. And I started to say girls, but there was only one then. And uh, that's all I could think about. I didn't care about anything else. And, and that's sad when we don't know what's good for us. That's my point. And even, even we Christians sometimes lose sight of what would be best for us. And, and, and that, of course, is our need to draw near to God. Have you ever thought about how thankful we ought to be that we can draw near to God? I mean, that's only because of His grace. God would be perfectly justified if he just banished us forever. He could, he could do that. You think about his holiness and our sinfulness. God could say, look, I don't want any part with you. I mean, there's absolutely nothing we have in common. You know, I, I don't want anything to do with you. You're so vile, so sinful. And, but for the grace of God, that is what would happen. Thankfully, we have been accepted by God in the beloved that is in Christ. Because of Christ, God has said, I'm willing to accept you because of the sacrifice that Christ made. And because we've been accepted now, upon that acceptance, we have access to God. 
Isn't that wonderful? Access. I mean, as, as the Bible says, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Isn't it so great to think that we have access to God? Uh, you know, I, I can think about a lot of things in America that needs to be fixed. And if the president would listen to me, I could give him some pointers. And boy, you know, I, yeah. Uh, and, but I don't have any access to the president of the United States. But I got something better than that. I've got access to God. And that's true of every single Christian. So we have this wonderful privilege of being able to draw near to God and uh, and it's not just just the fact that we can, but it's the fact that we need to. That that's what we lose sight of sometimes. You know, because of Jesus, we've been accepted. Now we have access to God. That is so wonderful. And sometimes we lose sight of the fact that's what we really need to do. There's not a person on this earth who can who can say that they have no need of drawing any closer to God. And it's going to be that way until the day that we die. I've often said, you know, we never get to a place in spiritual maturity where we get to, to a plateau where we can say, all right, I've climbed high enough, I've gone far enough that I don't need to go any further than this. You know, a person might look around and say, my spiritual maturity exceeds that of everybody else in the church. And, of course, if they think that, it doesn't. But believe me, there have been some people, you know, that kind of have that attitude. You know, I'm more spiritual than anybody else is. Well, you're never spiritual enough that you can stop growing because you're still nowhere near what Jesus is like. And, and it's going to be that way till the day that we die. We're going to have this need of growing and drawing closer and closer to God because, as the old song says, prone to wonder how I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That's something that is, that is within every person, that proneness to leave God. That is the vestiges of our old sinful nature, you know, that's still demanding, as it were, to have its own way. And so there, there is that that tendency that during hard times and difficult days that we, uh, that we bail out on God and doing so is always harmful. It's always a detriment to our welfare when we get to the place that we no longer feel that we need to get any more near to God than what we are. Now, the problem is, as you know, and I think it's a problem to some extent for all of us, and that is sometimes we feel like that we've done what we should by talking about how close we are to God. And it's easy. Anybody can do that. We lie about that all of the time, don't we? Whenever we sing some of the songs, I surrender all. Really? Really? Think about that. I surrender all. Well, I, I mean, we, we should and hopefully there are periods of time where we do. But the fact of the matter is there's so many times we haven't really surrendered all and we're clinging to some old something that our flesh desires rather than giving in to God. And so a lot of times we make this claim of being close to God when really we're nowhere near close to God. 
there are people that a lot of times exaggerate their relationship with the Lord. Like the fellow one time tried to tell me, he said, and uh, the conversation came up uh, that, that I had approached him about helping out with a devotion or a teaching, something along that line. And he said, no, he, God didn't call me to do that. He said, I'm, he's Brother Stone, I'm really deep in the scriptures. But he said, I, God didn't call me to, to teach in any way. I even tried to explain to him that God called all of us to be teachers. Not necessarily teaching a class in the church, but we're all to be teachers. All of us are. We have that responsibility. Now, being close to God, as it were, is not the same as being there. I'll get to the message in a little bit. I'm just, this is, I'm fireside chat. Uh, but I want you to get this in your mind. Being somewhat close to God is not the same as being there. I could camp out close to the house, pitch me a tent just right down the road. In fact, I could get out there just on the other side of the privacy fence on the other fellow's property, pitch me a tent. I'd be close to home, but I would have none of the comforts, none of the joys of actually being home. There would be no benefits of being home. Those home-cooked meals and the hugs and kisses and things, there wouldn't be none of that. I'd be out there in some old damp tent. Damp, I said, D-A-M-P, <laughs> damp tent. My biggest fear when I started preaching was making that mistake. And so I just want to clarify those that may be watching online. I said, damp. <laughs> being close to God is not the same as being there in the nearness that God wants from us. You see, to enjoy his benefits, we've got to draw near to God and if we don't we miss the blessings we go through life and there's so many things that can trip us up and here in Psalm 73 is a great example of that uh, it's a story of a servant of God who is confused and he's troubled by what he saw and, and as a result of that he became jealous he became bitter and he became distant from God. Notice how the psalm begins. It starts out really good. Verse 1, truly God is good to Israel even to such as are of a clean heart. Wow, th this is going to be great. But verse 2 through verse number 4, all of a sudden our attention is turned to his perplexity. He's troubled by two questions. Number 1, why do the wicked prosper? And number 2, why do the righteous suffer? People are still asking those same questions today. And so this is what's troubling this fellow. He is all bent out of shape, as we would say, because he doesn't understand why God is allowing this to go on. But then, just as he is about to fall, I mean, this fellow, this is, this is going to be a disaster in his life. He just can't get away from it. But all of a sudden, he goes to the house of God, he comes to his senses, and then after a stern warning from God, he closes by leaving us this great declaration. 
But it is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all of thy works. Now remember, he's writing this out of his own experience. He has taken all of the steps on the road to recovery and he can say of a truth, it's good for me to draw near to God and I want you to know it's good for you too. And it's good for me. It's good for all of us. So in light of that long introduction, I I want you to consider three things. Verse 27, we see his reflection. Now this relates to our text, so don't miss it. This is his reflection. Just before he makes that glorious statement in our text, he says, For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. See, this is in contrast to what he has been saying in the previous verses because he's been talking about the pleasure of actually being with God and now he's speaking about the plight of those who are far from God. And he's reminding us that God has the power to destroy as well as deliver. And we see that in history. You look back at Egypt, for example, and Assyria and Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. You look back at those ancient empires and God has crushed all of them to dust. God can destroy. That's what he wants us to understand. Yes, God can deliver and yes, God can bring great delight to our hearts. But if we don't draw near to God, the same God can destroy That's why we're told in Romans chapter 11, verse 22, Behold, both the goodness and the severity of God. He's telling us we've got to keep both of those things in mind. We need to keep our theology in balance, His goodness and His severity. Now, I said this has to do with His reflection. He's looking back at what God has done to remind us of what we ought to do. And it does all of us good to look back and to think about the things that God has done. And we can look back at past problems and things of that nature, and just as this man did. And finally, he concludes that all of this grief, this worry, why why do the righteous suffer? Why do the wicked prosper? All of that was caused by the fact that he had not kept close to God. Had he maintained a closeness to God, he wouldn't have been asking those questions. He would have just, as he says later on, he would have just trusted the Lord for the answer. Doesn't mean there's no question there. It simply means he wouldn't have been perplexed about it because he knows God has it well in hand. So the bottom line is this, that that. The the one major thing that we have to keep in mind if we're going to live a successful life is we need a daily revival every day. You know, churches are known to schedule revival meetings, one or two revival meetings a year. That's all well and good, but that's nowhere near enough. We don't get anywhere near what we need by just conducting a revival meeting. And I think maybe a lot of folks have come to realize that because almost no churches even hold revival meetings anymore. We need personal, daily revival meetings. I think of Fanny Crosby's great old hymn, Close to Thee. 
think about that close to thee. Do you ever spend any time maybe at home with a hymn book and just reading the words to some of those hymns? That's a wonderful spiritual exercise to do that. That's what we ought to strive for, that closeness to God. And whenever we reflect back at the things that God has done, it helps us to understand better what we ought to do. Now, in our text, we see the second thing, and that was his reasoning. Notice he says, but it is good for me to draw near to God. Now, remember, this is a guy that's been far from God. Far from God because he's hung up on this unfairness question. Far from God, about to fall into utter destruction, as it were, spiritually speaking. So he's been there, done that, knows what it's like, understands the misery of being in a place like that. So now he's drawing on his experience and he says, that wasn't good. It never is. So now he has turned to God and he says it's good for me to draw near to God. You know, the sad thing is there's a lot of folks in the condition that man was in and yet they refuse to change. They don't do anything about it. Now, he says it's good for me to draw near to God. And there's three factors that enter into that statement. First of all, there's the calamity of those that are not near to God. That's what we read in verse 27. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all of them that go a-whoring from thee. The calamity of those who are not near to God. And folks, listen, if we look around and you mark it down, if a person is a true Christian, if they're a real believer out of the will of God, it's only a matter of time until God chastens them. It's only a matter of time until their sinfulness is going to bring suffering into their life. There's no other way around it because the Lord tells us in Hebrews that if we be without chastisement, then we're bastards. That is, we're illegitimate. We're not truly the children of God. So no Christian sins successfully. And there is calamity for those who just ignore this warning. There's a payday someday, a time that we will regret our rebellion against God. You know, we'd do well if we had the attitude of Moses. You'll remember when God is going to send Moses on this mission to bring his people up out of Egypt. And the statement Moses made, he said, I'll not go except thou goest with me. Lord, if you're not going with me, I'm not going. I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to go either, not without God, you see. It's knowing that we have that closeness with God. We're in fellowship with God. That's what gives us the courage to tackle the challenges in life. And there are a lot of folks today that are just merely pretending to be close to God when it's really obvious that they're not. Really, it is. It's and I'm look, I'm, I'm not trying to dampen your spirit. I'm, I'm not even be judging, judgmental of any, anybody here. It's not what I'm saying. But you know people like that. There have been times that you've been that way. I've been that way. Times that we like to think that we're close to God and maybe we even deceive ourselves, but those from the outside looking toward us, they say it's obvious we're not close to God. People, people get up and sing about, oh, how I love Jesus and how close they are to God. 
well, you can fill in the blank. Because they're doing whatever it is that's contrary to the will of God. Look at all these empty seats. I'd rather look at, praise the Lord, we've got a, by the way, we've got a, a big crowd here tonight. Had over 200 this morning. Thank God for that. But there are folks that talk about being close to the Lord and loving the Lord who bail out on God. And you keep in mind, he said it's good for me to draw near to God because of the calamity of those who don't. But secondly, the second factor about, about his reasoning is, has to do with the character of God. Back to verse 1, truly God is good. Let's just stop there for a minute. God is good, period. He's good to Israel. He's good to those of a clean heart. But God is good, and he puts that word truly in there as a word of assurance or affirmation. God is good, regardless of what you think. I mean, it might seem to you that, yes, things are unfair. The righteous suffer and the wicked prosper, and I don't understand it. Let me tell you, doesn't change who God is. God is good. That's true in every sense. It, he is essentially good. He is infinitely good. He is eternally good. He is obviously good. Amen. There's numerous scriptures that speaks about that very fact, and I always think about the fact the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Well, how do we see it? Well, he sends the sunshine and the rain on the just and the unjust and the thankful and the unthankful. You tell me God's not good whenever he sends the rain that grows the crops and the sunshine and he provides all of these things for us. Absolutely, God is good. And he is especially good, it tells us here, even to such that are of a clean heart. Now, because God is good, we know that he's, you know, inherently good. That describes who he is. Then we know, regardless of how things appear, we know that God always has our best interest at heart. And if for no other reason, we ought to draw near to God because God's looking out for us. He has our best interest at heart. The third factor related to his reasoning has to do with the compensation that we receive as a result of it. Notice he said, it is good. We've been talking about that. But notice he says, it's good for me. In other words, not only is it good because it's the right thing to do, but he says, he says it's also good for me. It's a good thing you draw near to God, but it's a good thing for you that you draw near to God. It's good for us. Why? Because we are blessed as a result of it. Blessed when we're living in fellowship with God. One of, one of the difficulties this week as I was thinking about this message tonight was I, I kept trying to go back to John chapter 15 where the Lord talks about He's the vine and we are the branches and we abide in Him and He in us. And, and, and the blessing, the fruitfulness that results from that, that's what happens when we are near unto God. That's why James said, draw nigh to God and what? And He'll draw nigh to you. He's not running away from you. You draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to you. And so this is his reasoning here. 
the compensation that we're going to receive, the calamity of those who don't, and the character of God. Now, there's one other thing that we see here. Verse 28, the last part, his resolve. He says, I have put my trust in the Lord God. Now, notice the next word. Why would you do that? That I may declare all thy works. This is the place that we all should live. In other words, our faith involves both doctrine and duty. If you don't believe that, study the book of Romans and the book of Ephesians. They are divided up into sections of doctrine and duty. Uh, and, and that's the way it is. It, loving God, serving God has to do with our attitude and our actions. But notice in this Boy, this shows the degree of his spirituality. Here's a man that wants to draw near to God. Why? So he can proclaim the goodness of God to others. In other words, he wanted others to know what he knew about God. Is that something we're really concerned about? Do we want others to know what we know about God's goodness? And his trust in God is expressed here, notice, through his testimony. That, that's what he's talking about. That I may declare all of thy works. Psalms 44 and verse 8 says, In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. That's what God expects. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let them say so. I had no idea until this afternoon, I'd prepared this message. I'd prepared the, the message this morning. And as I, I sat there this afternoon in the recliner and was looking at, at my notes and thoughts about this, this ends up exactly where the message ended up this morning. Talking about the fact this morning, the, the, the greatness, the importance of our testimony being the light of this world. And notice, that's exactly what he's talking about here. That I may declare all thy works. In other words, God uses our testimony to transform others. Don't ever underestimate the power of your testimony. It's a light in darkness. Uh, you know, I, I don't know why we never have testimony meetings anymore. It's my fault, I guess. But used to, that was a really common thing. Every church I pastored had testimony meetings. We'd take sometimes 30 minutes. And whenever the people got reluctant, we started having uh, what we call a God bless you testimony. And uh, that's where... It, you gave a testimony, I'd call on one person. If nobody else responded, that person was at liberty to turn around and look at somebody. Said, well, God bless you, Brother Corey, or whoever it might be. And they had to pop up and give a testimony. Well, not the best way to do it, really. I really quit doing it because I figured out if people have got to be urged into doing it, it's usually not worth hearing. But don't, listen, seriously, don't underestimate the power of your testimony. There are some of you that work with unsaved people. You see them every day, every work day, you see them. It might be that you go out to lunch with them. It might be they're a friend, you go fishing with them. On the other hand, for the younger people, it might be classmates. I don't know, 
But you know somebody that's unsaved. Never underestimate the uh, power of your testimony. Just sit down and one day out of the clear blue say, would you mind if I, I've never done this, I'm sorry I haven't, but would you mind if I just took a few minutes and tell you what it was that brought about such a wonderful change in my life? Now, most of the time, there's well, sure, go ahead. And capitalize on it. Let them know exactly what the Lord's done for you. And in light of all of this that we've talked about tonight, and especially, and it's really amazing to me, it would have been easy for him to say, it's good for me to draw nigh unto the Lord because of all the blessings I get. That's probably what, what I might have said. I don't know. It's just really good for me. I get all these benefits. But this guy has graduated from that pettiness. If, if you can call that pettiness, it's really not. He's a higher rung on the ladder, spiritual ladder. He says, he said, I will put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all of thy works. I want to tell somebody else. And look, as important as that is, it can't happen without a clean heart. It behooves us in light of all of this to do whatever is necessary to draw near to God. It's a daily thing. And it requires the disciplines. That is the study of God's word and prayer and confession and all of the things related to us growing spiritually every single day of our life. Draw near to God. That might be good to put on a plaque and on the wall. Draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. And if you're here tonight, and I know, I know you haven't drifted far enough away from God that, that everybody else can see it yet. We don't see it. But in your heart, you know, the joy is diminished. It's gone. There's no longer any peace there. There's something in your life that is troubling you that you know shouldn't be there. Your spiritual growth has stagnated and you seemingly are satisfied being there. And as I said, nobody else has noticed it yet. But you know and God knows. And it's time to take action and move beyond that and get back, draw near to God. It's good and it's good for you. I hope you will. Let's pray. Father, again tonight, we thank you for all of your many blessings. We thank you, Lord, that rather than banish us forever from your presence, you made, you made possible a means whereby that we could be accepted, whereby that, that we could have access to you, not only in our time of need, but Lord, that we can just enjoy the sweetness of your blessings and to just, to just know and to be there in fellowship with you. And Lord, I pray tonight because you've been so good to us that we might be good to somebody else. The best thing I know we could do for them is to tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the change that he made in our life. Help us to do that. If there are those here tonight that have drifted away, Lord, may tonight they draw near to you. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Page 564.